Okay. Sorry for the delay, guys. Um, that's recording. That's good. That's good. Apologies for the delay. We had a little bit of an issue getting the streaming software set up. This is my first time having a guest <coughs> on the live podcast, but we're here now. Greg, what's going on, man? Nothing, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. So for those of you curious, if you want to watch this on YouTube instead of Instagram, go to the last story in my feed and I put a link. The old link wouldn't have worked because basically, yeah, I'm not going to get into all the bullshit. We had to use a different link. So we used a different link. So you can either, you can either watch on Instagram. You can watch on YouTube. Don't give a shit. If you got any questions, if you throw them up in the Instagram, one of us will try and take note. Otherwise, um, you can also put it up on the YouTube feed, and I probably have a better chance of of seeing it there. But anyways, so what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. It's kids in bed. Work, getting the kid to bed. Yeah, the wife's getting the kid to bed now. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I saw that you donated your, uh, sleeping bag to the Wild Sheep Foundation, the, uh, live auction, the silent auction, I guess. That was like probably one of the slickest segues I've ever, I've ever seen in <laughs> podcasting, uh, history. So the funny thing is I wrote myself like a little list of shit that I wanted it to talk about. And so this is going to work out. This is going to work out perfect. So here's what I can do. I can go to the wild sheep society of bc so here's what you do i'm going to share the screen i'm going to bring in so can you see my screen all right greg uh yeah i can see it now yeah so we'll go to i've never been here before do you know it's the wild i they, they passed me the link directly i'm assuming you'll be able to find it off their site right i think you can i i went through facebook but it uh but yeah there's some good stuff on there i know a couple of people that bought stuff last year and it was uh they got a good deal and they were happy with it and uh yeah they have some really good um really good deals i don't see it here under events i see the wild sheep raffles but that's not what it is right and it's not the conservation raffle it's not this Salute to conservation fundraiser. That might be it. Mm. No. They passed me a link. What was it called? Wild Sheep Society Auction. Yeah. There it is. Okay, so here we go. So what you do is you go to wssbc.onlinehuntingauctions.com. And for if you're an idiot like me, if you just go to Google and type in Wild Sheep Society Auction and go to this first link, and then you're going to get, um, there's two of them here. I don't know what the difference is between the two. But if we go to this first one, yeah, and there's just a bunch of stuff here. And there's tons of good stuff. And it's like some of it is still super, like some of the low bids are pretty low. Like my, I put up base. I wonder if we can find it here. 
It's it was down a ways, and they've got my logo on it, so it should stand out. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff too. So, um, and you could maybe it was this one here. Yeah, it's with this one. It sure. is right. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Oh yeah, page two. I was down a little ways. I know that. Here it is. There it is. Okay, so oh sweet, somebody else put a bid in. Awesome. Um, so what I did was Sitka was kind enough to give me an Aerolite sleeping bag to test out. And so when Wild Sheep Society hit me up and they wanted some stuff for donation, I thought this would be a really good opportunity. So I gave them the sleeping bag. And what I'm also doing is I'm throwing in a t-shirt, a hat, both hats, bumper sticker, and a logo sticker. So basically, if you go on my website, you can have one of everything that's on the website. And the, the sleeping bag is basically brand new. I used it for a single six-day hunt, and that's it. It didn't didn't get wrecked in any way, shape, or form. It's in beautiful shape. Um, it retails for four hundred US, and that doesn't count tax, and that doesn't count shipping. So, if you want to get this bag to Canada, it'd be six hundred bucks at the least. Um, so, and the current bid on it's only two hundred and fifty bucks. So, it's like a hell of a deal. And I don't care. You don't have to buy this bag. You can come on here, and there's lots of other. You know, like this is a pretty good deal for the that's a good deal yeah, yeah for sure for the we both have this bipod don't we yeah yeah i got the same one i actually i had to get my legs um, you had to get yours fixed didn't you yeah my legs came apart internally like the um they didn't i guess they just missed the lock seal on it and yeah. then they were they were awesome though i emailed them they sent me new legs um and then they sent me like a 35 percent discount code too so no shit yeah they were awesome i man. like when companies do that because it's like listen you fixed what you you fixed the screw up, which I'm grateful for. But like, can we admit here that you did screw up? Like, I, it's a pain in the ass, especially to deal with shipping and all the other, like, especially from Europe too, oh, right? Man. So it was it's like it took a while. But they were, they were, you know, actually, hunting companies in general are probably the best with customer service. I think I've had like maybe one or two things ever with any company with hunting that they haven't been completely awesome if something was to go wrong or anything like that. So, yeah. I agree. And so, you know, what I did was because I just bought this new rifle and I didn't want to spend another 400 bucks on another bipod. And the new rifle has a Picatinny rail for tri for bipod mounting. So all I did for an extra 50 bucks is I got the Picatinny rail attachment from Spartan and now it's mounted on the new rifle. And now nice. I can just swap the bipod back and forth between rifles. Cause I don't think I'm ever going to be in a situation. I'm probably going to sell that other rifle anyways. And I'm like, I'm, I would, you'd never get your money back. Like spending 400 bucks on an upgrade for a bipod. Like maybe you get an extra 200 bucks when you go to sell it. Like, so yeah, just no, I got the adapter for both my, both my rifles too. And it's, it's awesome. It's perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was funny. Cause somebody asked me the other day, they're like, how is that thing? Does it collapse when it collapses down? And I'm like, it doesn't collapse down. It comes right off. You don't, you don't have to worry about it at all. Yeah. Okay. So one quick more shout out. So basically just Google wild sheep society auction. That's going to take you to the auction page. There's two groups. There's two different auctions. There's tons of stuff. There's like pictures and Sitka gear and there's like, um, binoculars. There's, um, I saw Ray Weens put up, uh, who's my taxidermist. Well, he's not my taxidermist, but he's a taxidermist. I use 
he does phenomenal shit. And, um, he, uh, oh, this is funny. Somebody asked about gloves tonight and I'm going to bring these exact gloves up later on. And 60 bucks for these gloves is insane. Yeah, it's a steal. Um, I saw Ray Weens put a, put a, uh, like a, what do you call it? Like a voucher or whatever up here. So yeah, sweet. There we go. That's enough. So yeah, go to wild sheep society, support everybody. Funny enough, I won one of those calendars that Ray Weens uh, with Nathan French's photography. In it. I, yeah. I saw you, you, yeah, didn't so you win awesome. that? Yeah, yeah, I won it. And he sent it to me like within like a couple of weeks and I got it up in my kitchen. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a great, it's a, there's some great pictures in it too. So that's badass. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So I noticed the numbers starting to go up a little bit on YouTube. So I think some of the people have got the link. We'll probably be a little bit behind here tonight just because it'll take people a while to figure out what's going on. Cause no rush. Um, yeah, the way I set it up before, I think it like pre-populates it in people's feed or whatever. Anyways, not a big deal. Um, okay. So I got a couple things we want to talk about tonight, but first things first is I got to do, I got to do a little bit of a rant. So I was at the gym and this is something I see all the time. I see people put the treadmills on a high incline and then they hang on for dear life. Yeah. And I'm always like, what the fuck is it? That, like, what is your brain telling you right now that you think you're doing? Like where in that brain of yours, does this seem like a good idea to you? Like, are you unaware of the general laws of physics and the fact that you're just like, you know, equal and opposite force. And you're kind of like, anyways, it, 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 so I made this like little post about it and I was trying to figure out like, and, and just to clarify for everybody, if you put the treadmill on a super high incline and then hang on, so you don't slide off the back you are just negating the extra effort required by hanging on and you're not doing anything additional for yourself. So you might as well just put the thing flat and let go because you're those two situations are identical. Only one, you look like a moron and one you don't. Um, but I started, I, I started thinking to myself I'm like, okay, well, what is it though? Like there's gotta be, uh, there's gotta be a reason that people would do this. And I think what it is, and this is why I think it's an, an, an interesting topic for discussion is it's like the illusion of effort. I think there are things that we do that allow us to convince ourselves we're like working harder than we really are. And so I think that's why people are doing this. They crank it up to 15. They don't really want to get on the treadmill, but they, they're like, well, if I crank it up to 15 and I hang on to this thing and do this walk and I make it through 10 minutes, then it'll actually be, you know, some type of like beneficial exercise. And so all I really wanted to say to people is like, be aware of when you are being dishonest with yourself about the amount of effort that you're actually putting forward, because I think we can trick ourselves pretty easily and not not be, you know, working as hard as, as you know, we think we are. So anyways, just don't hang on a fucking treadmill. It makes sense. So the things you see nowadays in the gym though, with like even the young guys, like if I shouldn't say young guys, just people in general with like the poor form and stuff, it's kind yeah. of the same thing, right? Like you're, you're trying to do something more difficult than what you possibly can do. It's like guys bouncing in the hole in a squat. Yeah, it's like, guys, exactly. I'm, I'm telling you, 
you think you're, yes, technically you are moving more weight from A to B, but you are not doing yourself any additional favors. Like you're not building any extra muscle. You're not building any extra strength. Like a slow and controlled rep beats the shit out of just bouncing out of the hole any day of the week. So I think that's another, that's another you don't like, example. You don't like the old lower back lean for a bicep curls there, James. Okay. So this is, this is, <laughs> this is the other one. The other one is like doing a squat and sticking your ass way, way up in the air and then hinging up with your back. So you have this like zigzag motion. So they come all the way down and then they come up at the hips and then they lift the bar up with their, with their upper back, like a big, like a fucking crane unhinging yeah. itself or something like that. Yeah. Um, anyways, I could go on and on about that. I spend a lot. I spend too much time at the gym, so I could go on and on about this shit all night, but I won't, but I won't bother. Let's start the topic because it's been a bit of a shit show getting, go, getting going here tonight. Let's, let's start with a bit of a positive spin on things. So, um, how do I, now I want to read what somebody said. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. If you've got money on football and you can't <laughs> pay attention, you're allowed to hang on to the bar. The other time I hang on to the bar is when I'm drinking water because I don't want to slide off the back of the fucking treadmill. Um, oh, look at this. Greg getting some love. You're a mentor, buddy. Oh, I wish. Um, okay, we're going to start it out with some positivity. So I, I, I shot you a little message beforehand, so I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. So I just did this podcast with Dan Staten, who's also known as Elk Shape on Instagram. And he said something during that podcast that was really inspiring to me because I'm always hung up on like, listen, man, my goal is to go out here and kill and anything less than a dead animal is a failure. And you just need to like suck that up and be realistic with yourself. But I'm trying to soften up on that stance a little bit because I don't think it's beneficial to be that black and white about it. And he, some of the things he said really landed for me as far as like, there's other wins to be had in the season. And that really got, and that really got me thinking. And what I wanted to do because we're coming into preseason now, okay? February's basically over. We're into March. We basically have two more months and then, or was it April 1st, Bears open or May 1st? Or April, I think it's April 1st. It's yeah. April 1st, right? Yeah, because yeah. then it goes to June for, for, we get two months of spring bear, April yeah. and May. No, we get June too. No, no, you get June, it's June 31st. Yeah, so it's three months of spring bear. Yeah, it's three months. Right, yeah. so spring bear is opening just around the corner. So we're like, I, I, I'm saying we're like coming out of off season and into preseason. So like now is when I like start to get my mind right for like what's what's the goal for the season? What What kind of things do I want to achieve? So I wanted to start this little campaign or whatever, just this idea I had called three small wins. And so the idea would be go into the season with three goals that you're looking to achieve. And there's only a couple rules. One, it can't be a dead animal because a lot of success surrounding a dead animal is out of our control. And I want these goals or these wins to be something that is within our control. So it can't be, I'm going to kill a six point. Now, me and Greg did have a conversation and I think, let's say hypothetically, your goal was to kill a four point mule deer. I think you could reframe the goal to say, 
I will not pull the trigger or loose an arrow on anything less than a four point because that's something that is totally within our control. And if you got to the way all the way to the end of the season and you saw a dozen three points and you never pulled the trigger on that because you said you were going to hold out for a mature buck and you held that and you held to that, you committed to your goal, then that to me is achieving that goal. And that is all kind of within your, um, within your power. So it can't be a dead animal. The goal can't be a dead animal. And it has to be something that you've never done before. Okay. Yeah. I knew I broke the rules right after I, the first message I sent you. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I that's, was like, yeah, but, but what about this, Jay? What about this? But that's everybody's goal. And I get it. Like, and I'm not saying you can't have that goal too. And I do have, like, I have animal based goals, 1000%. And I think that's totally cool. But this isn't, this is, this would be our attempt at reframing the season so that if you get to the end of the season and you didn't achieve your animal based goal, you can still look back and say, ah, but I have, and maybe we don't even get all three. Maybe we only get two of the three, but we've got these other goals. So I will, I'll share mine and I'll give a little spiel and then I'll toss it over to you and you can share yours. And then what I would love to hear from people And I want to share these every week. So I don't care if you DM them to me. I don't care if you uh, write them in a story and then tag me on the post. I don't care if you send me an email, jay at mindfulhunter.com. But send me your three wins, your three small wins, your three small goals. What do you think is a better hashtag? Three small wins or three small goals? Three small wins is better, I think. Okay. okay. Three, I like that. I like that. Three, and I want, I want to keep small in there because I don't think they have to be like these gigantic epic things. The goal is just to do something you've never done before. So we're going to call it, we're going to call it, yo, what's up, Luke? We're going to call it three small wins. So hashtag it three small wins, send them to me. And what I'll do each week is I'm going to share people's wins. And then hopefully at the end of the season, Everybody can like check in and like, you know, let me know what you were, which of your wins you were able to achieve. And maybe at the end of the season, I'll, we'll, we'll give some shit away or on one of these live podcasts, everybody can like say what they got. Okay. So the big one for me is, um, my longest solo hunt. So I'm going in 14 days for stone sheep solo. And seven days up till now is the longest I've ever gone. And that I've had longer solo hunts, but not contiguous. Like I've come out to the truck to get food or fuel. I'm talking uninterrupted in the bush nonstop. So small win number one, longest solo hunt. Small win number two, using a raft on a hunt. I've never done that before. And then small win number three is taking someone hunting that has never been hunting before. And in this particular case, it's going to be my brother. So as long as everything goes right, and there's a, actually, I might double dip on that one because there's a couple dudes who I'd like to take spring bear hunting, even if it's just for like a day hunt. But the big one for me is my brother. He's never been hunting before. And as long as everything goes okay with the non-resident tags, I'm going to be taking my brother and my dad caribou hunting out of Dees Lake in, um, whatchamacallit, 
in 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 September. So those are my three small wins. Longest solo hunt. First time using a pack raft on a hunt, and taking a non-hunter on their first hunt. For your pack raft, are you talking like uh, like alpaca, like um, yeah, the backpack raft? Yeah, yeah. I bought. Cool. I, I just bought an Explorer Forty Two. Um, which is their smallest kind of semi tandem. And the reason I did it is that I take my daughter kind of just like truck camping to all these little yeah. lakes, you know, around Harrison. And they always have these cool little lakes. And I see people like pop up with like kayaks and canoes and stuff. And we're always just swimming some for sure. And as soon as I started looking at this raft, I was like, oh shit, this would be perfect. Cause I could bring a couple fishing rods and then I can, totally. and it also helps to sell, sell with the wife. Right. Cause it's like, no, no, yeah. no. I bought the raft for the daughter. This is for her. It just happens that it's also useful for sheep hunting, but the real purpose is for the six year old child in the family. Of she course. needs a $1,500 rubber boat. Kids are expensive. Man. They're really expensive. <laughs> I mean, if you love them, you can't, you can't hold back, man. No, safety first. Too, safety you know? first. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's I, I like the, uh, I know you mentioned on, I think it was maybe a week ago or two weeks ago on one of your podcasts about the, uh, you're going to take some some new hunters out for spring bear, which is, yeah. um, that's awesome. That's cool. That'd be fun. I think I've been a bit, I don't think I've pulled my weight in that regard. I think I've been really focused kind of on my own shit and I don't, you know, I, I think I maybe I help people with the podcast, but I think For there's sure a difference did, yeah. between indirectly just putting out information and I'm a bit of an introvert. I tend to not like people for the most yeah. part. Um, so this is, I got to get out of my comfort zone. I got to grab somebody by the hand and be like, let's go try to kill something. Nice. Have you decided on your uh, sheep hunt? Are you flying in or driving or I don't know if you've mentioned it before. Yeah, man, I got the, I got the lake picked. I got the, I got the, the plane booked. I got Sweet. the whole nine yards, um, nice. flying in out of Muncho. Um, and that was the reason for the raft. I started looking and, um, I, I'm not doing like a rafting sheep hunt. You know, some people get like dropped off at a headwater and then have this whole circuit yeah. planned. My goal is just that I was looking at this lake and, um, uh, Andre, remind me about this. I'm going to get back to your question about BC Yukon air. Cause I have an answer for you. Um, I was looking at this lake and there's like five or six different places to hike in. And I'm like, and I've been around enough like remote lakes, like walking around a lake seems like a really good idea until you're actually at the lake. And then normally it's just hellacious down by the lake because there's windfall. It's normally not a clear shoreline. So you'll be, you know, it's just, it, it, it's normally really bad walking. So I started thinking to myself, well, this would be perfect um, for a little raft because I never even have to have the, the raft leave the lake. I don't even need to hike with the raft. The whole idea is just then Earths can drop me off on one side of the lake and then where I can, I can hike up from there. If I don't see what I want, I come back down the lake. I paddle across the lake, go to another area, hike up there. And so really it's just giving me the flexibility to bounce across the lake. And then there is obviously like a large river coming out at either end of the lake. And so if I ended up really far in one direction, I could then use the raft to kind of, I guess, help 
bring the game back or something like that. But the but the sole but the primary purpose of the raft is just to bounce across the lake to get to different awesome. different ways that I'm thinking about hiking in. It definitely adds mobility though, so you have more options and stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I thought it could help for glassing too, because you know sometimes you're on the shoreline and you can't like see up. I'm like, oh, you could always just go out into the middle of the lake. And then that would get you enough distance that you'd be able to get like a better angle to look up into the hills. Yeah. Especially if there's really tall trees right on the shoreline, you're not going to be able to glass up out of those. So, yeah. That's going to be epic. 14 days, that's a that's going to be a good one for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to like going a little bit fucking squirrely. I'm kind of into it. It um, might happen. Yeah. All right, three small wins. What do you got? Um, okay, so I'm also taking, I got two of my good buddies that I've been friends with since I was little. They finally got their hunting licenses. So okay. they went, yeah, they went and got their cores in November, December. How long did it take to actually get the licenses? Do they have them yet? So they have their, um, they have their hunting license. But they don't but have they their gun license yet. They do don't they? have their gun license yet. Yeah. So, but if they don't have their gun license in time, that's okay. It's they totally can still, okay. They as long as they're in they your can, supervision, you can, yeah. you can take them out. And just so people understand how that works, because this is a big deal. They're literally running like eight to 12 months behind on PAL right now because of COVID. Cause everybody ran out and wanted a gun because the world was ending. And so in British Columbia, they could not go buy a gun until they have a PAL. But if they are within your supervision, so let's let's say at 100 meters or whatever, they can use your gun legally. They can shoot your gun legally. You don't need a PAL. That's why it's a possession and acquisition license. They can still, you don't need it to legally shoot a gun in British Columbia. So that's that's great because that that is would be a major, major roadblock. And I'm going to get back to my, how my brother got around that solution because that might be beneficial for some people to find out this year too. So there's number yeah. one. Yeah, so I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be, uh, that'll be fun. Um, yeah. Especially like seeing, seeing people for the first time actually be out in the elements and experience the thrills and stuff that we get to. Totally. That we get to do. So that's, that's definitely one. That'll be Spring Bear, which is always a, a super fun, not crazy hardcore, but it's more of an enjoyable. Yes enjoyable hunt right so that'll be that'll be a good time um i think it's a great one to get your feet wet because of that for sure. yeah. right like you can still get your ass handed to a little bit like if you shoot something down a steep draw and you got to go like you can still take a bit of an ass kicking but it's not like you know seven days in the back country that could like it's literally fun. just yeah. snap someone in half yeah it's a fun hunt i yeah. always find it it's fun the weather's a little bit better you, you know you're know. gonna see game that's the other thing yeah. like I've been on lots of deer hunts where I don't, I didn't see shit, man. It is very rare to go bear hunting and not see bears. So it keeps it exciting for people. Yeah. And I find with, with, with everything else, like especially deer hunting, there's, you just put so much pressure on yourself and you're yeah. constantly, it's, it's a, it's a grind. It's, it's, it's fun and you love it, but it's also like you're grinding, you know, that is such a good home. insight, man. I don't put my, I don't put the pressure on myself like that for bear. Like I just no. don't, it's just not, there's something about a rack dude. Like, cause I'll be honest. I've killed some nice bears too with my bow and my rifle and I really enjoyed the hunts, but it doesn't feel like when you smoke no. a giant mule deer, like it just no. doesn't like, yeah. so it's kind of, but, but again, I think that actually is a plus for the things that we're talking about. Cause it's a lower pressure situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so my second one, 
Um, uh, I'm gonna get my bone. T- I gotta get my bow tuned, like we talked about. Yeah. Um, my wife actually the other day, she's like, "You got this bow. You've had it for like two years, and it's been in the closet because it's been." I've had the long story short was like such a problem with like just the lower mainland with different the companies around here. So, so I think I want to open a bow shop. Yeah, that, that'd be sweet, man. Like, cause I had so like, I went out and did the same thing. Exactly what you talked about last week. Yeah. I went out and bought like a top model bow Yeah, for like it's PSC, but it was one of the top model bows sure. for PSC, just not carbon fiber. Like you they said, got nice shit. yeah. And then spent a bunch of money, got it all set up and there's just something, something's off with it. It's, it's, yeah. I've had a couple of people shoot it. They said the same thing. I played around with it myself. Probably screwed it up more than what I helped it. Come and over, man. I just had my buddy Simon over here. We restrung his bow from scratch. I had him shooting a bullet hole in paper in like 25 minutes after we had it strung. Um, yeah. And he took it home. He, he, he bare tuned shafted it or bare shaft tuned it. Um, and he's shooting fucking laser beams, man. I got yeah, the I press here. I got the vice, the whole the nine arrows. Yards. It might be the arrows. Um, I mean, they're good on the chart as per what it's, what the bow is, but you yeah. never know. I mean, it is what it is. So, okay. So bow like, needs to get fixed yeah, one so way or another. Yeah. And then once the bow gets fixed, then I'm definitely going to, um, make, make it a goal to like get out and, you know, practice a couple times a week. Definitely put, yeah. put some practice in and, if I can get it done in the next couple of months, by the time if I get out for spring bear, I might take might take the bow up for spring bear. We'll, we'll see what happens. Okay. So that's that. That'll be the second one. Um, the third every year I try and you know further yourself with hunting, same as like you're doing the the sheep hunt. So yeah. I don't know. I have a couple things that I want to do this year, but I don't know. Um, I haven't narrowed it down. I haven't really planned all my hunts depending on leh, but I definitely want to focus a little bit more. Um, I want to do a backpack solo hunt for sure. Okay. Um, second thing would be, um, I want to find a good like whitetail. I've, I haven't never done a, like a focused whitetail. I've gone out with, yeah. there's been mule deer and white, whitetail, but, um, I want to try and focus and do some scouting for a good, good whitetail spot. So I like it, man. Yeah. So just, just different. It's a little bit of an, it might be a little bit of an off year this year. Cause, uh, me and the wife are trying to, we might be trying to plan to have a second kid. Oh, so shit. Yeah, so it might be a little bit of a, a focus on a focus on family year, and maybe next year I might be able to squeeze out. And I've been building those points in the states, so I'm I'm thinking maybe next year I might try. And How many points you got? Are you just just started last year? Last year, so this will be second. So next year will be three, and I just did Wyoming and Montana because I'm. So you're good. For, You'd be good for Montana next year for sure, because you could probably yeah. be good for Montana this year, and uh, you're probably good for Wyoming for a special draw next year which is expensive, like 1500 bucks. And then you're probably good for the regular draw the year after that. So you could do Montana next year. And then the Wyoming the year after that. Well, one of those States can't, you, you can only buy a point for two years in a row. And then you have to actually go after, uh, yeah, you have to actually apply for a tag. Yeah. The hack is you just apply for an impossible tag. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You just pick a unit that needs like 15 points. Yeah. Um, and what else? I might do that Arizona thing because you you mentioned your over the uh, counter. Yeah, and you mentioned your uh, buddy has a guide service, and it's that's not that bad. Like when you really look nah, at dude. like three grand US, you go no, down for I mean, a week. I think it's thirty five hundred, but 
if you tell me yeah. you're going to call him, I'll tell him to give you a deal. I think. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's not that's not too bad either. So no. we'll see what see what happens and see what the time frame is. But yeah, I mean, it's always cool to like. That's the best thing about hunting is you can make it what you have time for, and you make it how extreme you want to go, or like you yes. Know, as long as you every year, I find I try and further yourself and and do different things, and that's that's the that's the best thing about it. Hundred percent, man. Okay, sick. So recap for everybody who wasn't tuning in. We're trying to pick three small wins that we can achieve this season that aren't related to necessarily killing an animal, but they could contribute to being successful in killing an animal. So mine were longest solo hunt to date, going in for 14 days for stone sheep. You know what'll be funny is if I kill a stone sheep on like day six, and then I'll achieve my goal of a sheep, but I will fail in my goal of my longest solo hunt and you know i'm i think you'll be okay with i'm okay that. with that i'm okay with that i'm okay with <laughs> I that i don't think you'd have a lot of sympathy no, on that one no we'll, we'll go back that. in next year and yeah. and try and and beat the record so longest solo hunt first time using a pack raft on a hunt and taking a non-hunter uh, specifically my brother out for his first big hunt recap yours again real quick so it was the new hunter thing as well and then the bow tune with the focusing on that practice throughout the year and yeah. then uh, putting in, putting myself in a position um, to experience something new. So that's that's definitely, a, that's a, I think that's probably the number one thing. But, I like it. I yeah, shot a white-tailed doe this year, man. I loved it. Yeah, I saw that. I, well, I saw it on the podcast. Yeah, it was a pretty fun, it was a pretty fun little hunt. And I've got a, I, it looks like I've got everything locked in. I'm going to do a guided white-tail hunt cool. um, in Alberta late nice. November kind of nice. going to go try and smoke a giant and it's a bit of a oh. smaller operation. So I'm feeling like, as I'm not really like the big guided hunt guy, but this is more of like a, anyways, I'll talk about more about that as it gets closer. I'm excited about that. Okay. Now there's a couple questions that popped up on Instagram that I want to, I want to answer for people because I actually have answers, which is, which is rare. So, Andre, hope you're still here. He said, did you have trouble getting a hold of BC Yukon Air Service this year? The answer is yes. And the answer is everyone does. So what happens is that dude essentially takes off for the winter. And I forget the dude who stays behind. It might be Alex. And they basically go incommunicado for three or four months over the winter because nobody's flying, nobody's doing anything, and they kind of don't give a shit. So if you've paid a deposit and you can't get a hold of anybody, don't worry. Nobody's gone out of business. Nobody's run off with people's deposits. They've just all headed down south for the winter. I did eventually get a hold of, I think it was Alex, again, kind of late January, and then I locked in my lake for caribou and um and paid my deposit but i know quite a few dudes that haven't been able to get through yet so don't stress about it um they you will get a hold of them nobody's nobody's screwing anybody over or gone under and then my buddy darren asked if my brother has got his ducks in a row as far as his core yet and i wanted to i wanted to because you talked about the issues people have been having with their pals and then how long it took to get a core. So I was going to, my brother's coming on his first hunt and I was going to have him do his core and I was going to have him do his pal. And the more I thought about it, it was like for a dude who might not, like maybe this isn't his thing. 
maybe, maybe he's not going to like it. I don't want to put that pressure. My brother's not, doesn't really deal well with like lots of pressure. He does. It's not his thing. He doesn't like feeling like he's obligated or people have a lot of expectations. So I'm trying to keep it light and fun. And, and he would have done it if I asked him to, because our old man is coming out and it's kind of a big deal, but I looked into it and there's this thing called, and I'm going to forget what it's called now. Do you know what this thing is? It is, uh, it's, pa- it's a pastor, pastor company or something. Isn't it like you can, you can go with, it's not, this, it's kind of like a permit to a company for a first time hunter. Yeah. You can, yeah. It's, so you if you're a BC resident, time. you can mentor a BC resident for one year and they don't have to get their core and they don't have to get their pal. Now, the only drawback is they're hunting off your tags. So because, oh, okay. yeah, because they don't have a hunting license, they can't, um, oh, awesome. Did you guys, sorry, Andre, just, did you guys book with, um, black sheep aviation at a Watson? I know a lot of people that are, are a few people that, um, they, they've been having really good luck with black sheep and that's cash. The guy who runs with Dustin Rowe who owns BC Backcountry and beyond. Anyways, um, you can get this first time hunter certification and then you literally just fill it out. You pay 20 bucks and then my brother will be able to hunt off my tag and he'll be able to shoot my gun. And then um, if he likes it and if he goes on this first hunt and he has a really good time, then um, he can get his core and his pal next year and we'll worry about it. And I thought it was a really good way you know, and I, I don't think you'd be wanting to do it for a ton of people because they are going to hunt on your tag. Like it's my brother. I'd be willing to sacrifice one of my tags. Like I, I think there's a very good chance we should be seeing mer- moose and caribou where we're going. And then the conversation will be like, I'm, I get one, you get the other. So, and I want him to be successful before, before I, I am. So I'm basically just saying, listen, man, shoot whichever one of these you want or whatever we see first. And then oh, I'll yeah. worry about smoking something. Is there any update with that? With the government? Have they said anything more? I, I, I no. no. And I think what happened here is there's two and I, I, I need to take some responsibility for this. Um, cause I think I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. It was more of like weird timing that this weird treaty shit and I, I, you know what? I said that in a, like a trivializing manner and I shouldn't because I'm sure this is really important to a lot of people and I don't want to come off as like negative about it. I don't know a whole lot about the situation and so I don't want to come off negative, but there were some complications with some treaty hunting rights in the peace region that were primarily influenced by possibly some overly energetic resource extraction that was negatively impacting hunting. There has been this conversation that they're going to reduce hunting access to compensate for the resource extraction. At the same time that was happening, I had applied for this permit to a company over in region six. And literally the same day I got the news about the peace region, the province emailed me back and said, we're delaying your permit to a company because we don't know what we're doing with caribou yet. I kind of conflated the two things in my head. And it turned out a couple of people touched base and I guess uh, lots of people have applied for caribou and six 
for permits to a company in multiple years. And depending on the caribou counts, sometimes they give out permits to a company and sometimes they don't. So this has nothing to do with the treaty issues in the peace. And this is solely like a resource management issue. And it's too early in the year. They don't have their counts back and they haven't decided on what the caribou numbers are. So, and when I went and reread the email, it was actually a pretty like friendly email. Like they even said in the email, listen, if you're denied in this unit, we will likely give you some other recommendations or like let you know, like, okay, you know, six X is full, isn't, but over here in six Y, there are some permit to a company tags if you guys want to switch the unit that you're going to. And then I heard through the grapevine that um, there shouldn't be any issues with the caribou hunt in six other than the regular, you know, reason, you know, appropriate responsible resource management. So they'll let whatever normal number of tags they, they let out. But if you're a BC resident and you want to hunt over the counter, from what I understand, there shouldn't be a problem in region six. It's seven B specifically that's still up in the air right now. And no one has made a statement one way or the other. That's good. Well, I mean, it's, it's better. Yeah. Better better than like just killing caribou hunting in the whole province, which was kind of where I, you know, my head went at first. And like, that was stressing me out a little bit. I, I think it's pretty easy to assume that with everything going on with the States and, uh, all the spring bear and stuff like that that they're trying to cancel on all those what is it like five or six states that they're trying to pull it yeah so yeah it makes sense though like the bargaining token that they were trying to if if that's what they're trying to do or not trying to do who knows yeah um okay let's get into the q a i've got a bunch here that people sent in And as always, if you want to write something in the IG chat window, go nuts. Or if you want to write something in the YouTube chat window, go nuts. Um, One of us will try and pay attention. So I think this is kind of an an interesting question. I'm not even sure if there's a right answer. I'm going to throw it to you first. If you could no longer hunt, how would that affect you? That's a good question. Um, probably have. I think for me, hunting. I I didn't grow up in a hunting background. Um, I kind of got into it later, um, in life. So I used I played competitive, fairly competitive sports growing up. So hunting kind of took as I got older, and those kind of shut down. Hunting kind of took that over for me. So it kind of replaced that and it's, you know, it's just, it was more self-competitive than anything else, but it kind of replaced that for me. So it would definitely, I would definitely have to find something else to replace it. Yeah. 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 I think I'd be a lot more miserable at home. So my wife probably wouldn't be. Yeah. Get your ass out and go do something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So my particular journey went from CrossFit to jujitsu to hunting and I have a bit of hunting in my background with my old man's family, but also was kind of like an adult onset hunter. So I can really relate to what you're saying because yeah, there's the food element, but I think probably more importantly, if I'm just going to be blatantly honest about it, it's more the challenge and the conquest and the, like the personal challenge of, of that 
hunting, it's more important. Like that fulfills more. The other thing is easy to fix. Like, I'm not going to lie. If I had to go buy a half a grass fed cow from hundred mile house once a year, dietarily, I'd kind of be in the same boat as eating a couple deer. I would still feel like I was having, you know, healthy meat that I trust, but the hole in my life would be this, like the wilderness adventure and the challenge and the struggle. So I think I'd be like you, that's what I would. What I wonder is like, would I get into mountaineering or something? I don't think so. Like that's never really been like, I was a forestry engineer for 15 years and I never understood like I've never understood four by fouring, like the idea of just like driving out to like get your truck stuck and then get it unstuck. Yeah. It was like, yeah, if I'm trying to go kill something, I'll drive my truck through something. Or if I need to get to work, I will drive. And I kind of feel the same way about mountaineering when there isn't an animal to kill on the other side of the fucking hill. I'm like, I don't understand why you want to climb to the top of that thing. Like it just doesn't Definitely. fire me up in any way, shape or form. Like, did you watch that? That Nims die or Nim, what the fuck is his name? Did you see that, uh, the Mount Everest documentary on Netflix? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that got me pretty fired up, man. Like that dude was, that dude's hardcore. Some of those, that Everest thing is crazy though. Like those guys are just, the shape that those guys are in is they're, they're, they've tuned their bodies to just be able to do that specific goal. Yes. But I'm, but I'm with you though. Like it's, you think that the hunting, obviously the meat's awesome. I love it. I had, Baron spaghetti tonight, but I had Baron spaghetti tonight. Did you? Nice. Yeah. yeah. My wife, my wife made it. I got home from work and I was like, Oh, awesome. That's badass. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, I, I love being out in the elements. Like that's yeah. awesome. And like, it's when you're in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing, if something was to happen, it's just you and you and mother nature it sounds corny, but that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like goal as well. I mean, I wouldn't go out, I wouldn't climb or hike, you know, 15 K and then be like, well, I'm here, you know, at least you're, go you're going for a purpose. Right. So, yeah. And I think I'd still take my kid because that serves a purpose to me and I can get behind it. The other thing that I said earlier on, like early on in my, um, kind of hunting career after I found archery, I don't mind shooting guns, but I'm not a passionate rifleman. It's not my, where my heart lies. My heart lies with archery. And if hunting became illegal tomorrow, I wouldn't get rid of my guns because I like my personal freedom. Um, but I would rarely shoot them because it just doesn't fire me up, but I would, I'd probably start competition archery because I love shooting my bow that much that yeah. even it's one of those things to me that you can never be perfect at. Like it's just such a finesse art and I, I, even if I couldn't hunt, I would still shoot my bow on a regular basis because it also does something for me, like meditatively, like it, it brings a sense of peace into my life from like just that. And it's a peaceful activity. Like hunting guns is very like violent and explosive. And I don't mean it's cool. I like, I like shooting guns, but it's, it's not the same experience to me as, as, no, as shooting a rifle. There's something about grabbing a coffee and first thing in the morning and going out and just, you know, shooting your bow and just, yeah, I feel it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Definitely. Is there, isn't like a game in BC. We don't have like, I know in the States, like, um, what's the company that, uh, fitness company, um, mountain ops is it mountain ops. And they put that big, uh, um, 
archery shoot on. Okay, like there's the, a few. You're probably talking about TAC. TAC is the big one, the total archery challenge. Yeah, that's the one. Right um, and I think what happens is major brands will sponsor courses. Yeah. So they'll go to, they'll do these at ski hills and there'll be like three or four courses. This is another thing where we should like, now that the borders are kind of open and back up, like there's a couple that aren't too far from here. Like there's a couple, one that happens in Montana and there might be one that happens in either Oregon or Washington that are probably like less than a 10 hour drive, which yeah. for a guy from Canada, it's like, that's a reasonable weekend trip. Yeah. Um, that would be a cool thing to like throw four dudes in a pickup truck and like yeah. drive down for a weekend. And it's a pretty like practical training experience. Like it's, it's hard. It's basically a 3d course on the top of a ski hill and you take the lifts up to the top and then you walk the whole course down and there's three or four different courses. So you go stay for the whole weekend, maybe shoot. It's kind of like rounds of golf. Like, yeah, I think you could reasonably fit in two courses a day. So maybe on the Saturday and Sunday, you're going to do the hill four times or something like that. But I think that would be fun as shit, man. Like I, I, I would yeah. get into that. And I think you get in kind of bigger groups. So you'd probably end up meeting some new people and stuff. Like we don't, we're not really great at doing that kind of stuff in Canada. And I think our population just isn't dense enough. We just don't have those types of options. And yeah, they have a lot of those like uh, camps and stuff like that in the States, like hunting camps. I know that like Ryan Lampers, I think has one. And then, Elk Shape um, was just last weekend. He was talking about it on the podcast. I know a guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And doesn't uh, Bark Barklow has one too, doesn't he? Doesn't he do a... I don't. Or does he just do a course like conference courses and stuff like that? I think he just does like seminars. I don't seminars, think he has an actual it. camp. Yeah. I know Lampers has a camp. I know Dan Staten, aka Elk Shape, has a camp. I feel like there's one more that I'm forgetting. But yeah, I've had a couple people hit me up this year and they're like, I want to do my first backpack hunt. Like, where do I start? And I'm like, well, arguably, you should go to one of those. Actually, I will give Dylan at eat wild a shout out he used to do like a weekend seminar i feel like covid really kicked his teeth in a bit like he was really gaining some momentum as far as like putting on sausage making classes and doing backcountry weekend getaways with like how to pack and actually taking people out in the field and like that was a really great resource and then i think with the difficulties with covid like I, he just wasn't able to keep up with a lot of that stuff. But I did see that the backcountry hunters and anglers are doing a Zoom that Dylan is hosting, focused on how to pack for your, you know, for beginner. I don't even want to say beginner, but like for people who don't have a ton of experience, how to pack for a backcountry hunt. And I think if you go to Dylan's page, Eat Wild, or if you go to, uh, Backcountry hunters and anglers, you can you figure out where that is. So there's there's an example of of something local, but not 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 cool and competitive like attack or something like that. I'm just looking at one of these questions here. Yeah, why don't you read that out? Are you talking about the one from Andre? Yeah. So he says, uh, as a young man currently in school for wild management. Uh, what are some pointers do you recommend to keep in mind as my final goal is to help manage wildlife in BC? Um, predator hunting for sure. I like last it. year. Yeah. Last year we went up moose hunting and there was 
wolves and coyotes everywhere. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, that'd be definitely one to, to start with, I would say. And I think the idea of like looking at it as like, okay. So one of the things about being a forestry engineer is that you're all like going out and logging a piece of ground is one of the most difficult things you're ever going to do in British Columbia, because you realize there's all these stakeholders, man. And everybody kind of has a valid point. Like the nations will have a valid point. There'll be like a fucking, you know, mountain biking group that might utilize some trail and they want to have a say. And there'll be some community woodlot that wants to have a say. And at first you're just like, my job's to go find timber and log it and make money, get the fuck out of my way. And then after a few years, you're like, okay, well, you know, when you listen to all these people enough times, you start to realize Everybody really has a valid point. And I think with any resource, I think if we're going to manage it responsibly, we need to recognize that there's always going to be multiple stakeholders and that all of them have a right to have an opinion on how that resource is utilized. And they don't have to agree. Like, I don't need everyone in British Columbia to love hunting. And I think if people want wild animals in a place where they're like viewable. Like we don't really have a Yellowstone per se, but like there's lots of people that want to, that want to participate in wildlife viewing experiences that if we just had unfettered hunting access, that'd be really difficult for them because unending hunting pressure just across the entire province would push a lot of that game so deep that people aren't going to be able to go out on the weekends and see that kind of stuff. So I think we just got to recognize that there's other stakeholders that have just as much right to participate and utilize the resources of British Columbia just as much as we do. And that the magic happens when you can sit down with people and say, how can we jointly accomplish all of our goals? And maybe it's, we all just take a little bit less, or maybe, you know, we come up with creative solutions, but instead of going and thinking solely about how can I get more rights as a hunter, I think it's a, I think it's a more successful strategy to think like, how can everybody more beneficially participate in the wilderness that we have in, in British Columbia? Because the more people that are locked into the wilderness and feel like a sense of ownership, the more people we're going to have on our side when other forces come into play that don't want that wilderness and they just want to extract resources or build, you know, ski hills or things that would completely wipe out, you know, the wild places that we have in British Columbia. So I don't know that if I was younger and that was what I was getting into, that would be the kind of mind frame I'd be trying to enter it into with is that it's more about you know, joint cooperation and convening different interest groups in order to come up with creative solutions than it is about thinking, how can we win? That's a good answer. It's a lot better than mine of kill wolves. <laughs> oh no, I'm into the wolf killing too, man. I think we need to make predator hunting more sexy. Like I don't, I, like because people are afraid to post pictures of wolves and even bears and coyotes and there is this incentive on social media. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm to blame. I've never gone wolf hunting. I want to go wolf hunting, um, really bad. And, um, 
I just kind of haven't gotten around to it. So you know what? There's another small win, man. You know what? 2022, aside from just bear, I am going to figure out a way to do a predator hunt of some kind. I'll make that commitment right now because I do think we have a responsibility. I remember somebody saying that you should have to kill a, a predator in order to get a deer tag. Yeah. Yeah. We saw, I was up ice fishing actually not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And, uh, a couple of nights we heard wolves across the lake, um, which is the second year in a row that we've, uh, we've heard wolves up there. So, and there's in the, in the, in the fall, there's just tracks everywhere. So it, um, it, it needs to happen. I mean, but you know, BC overall, I'd say they do a pretty good job conservation wise if they follow the science of, of it. I mean, there has been some big things over the last couple of years that we probably don't yeah, agree like on. But bear hunt. Yeah. That's probably one of them. But I mean, that's a, that's a long, long winded, uh, my issue with BC in general, and this, this goes from logging to wildlife management, is that you would think we would be one of the premier destinations in the world for things like logging and wildlife management, and we are embarrassingly far behind. Like when you look at Europe or New Zealand, like they blow us out of the water when it comes to like logging technology and stuff. And if you look at how the states manages wildlife, they blow us. Like their their populations are booming and ours are just trending down year after year after year. Yeah. Didn't I, Virginia Virginia just opened up? Virginia just opened a elk, fucking elk season. Elk yeah. Like elk, first our elk, elk numbers are going down in British Columbia and Virginia now has five elk tags. And here's the deal. It's because, and I'm gonna use this in like a metaphorical sense, we're fat and lazy. Like British Columbia has just always had a shitload of everything. It's got a shitload of trees. It's got a shitload of oil. It's got a shitload of animals. So we never went through that like near extermination point that the United States went through when like, you know, white tail populations went from something like 22 million across North America down to like less than 500,000, I think 380,000 or something. So they were so close to the point of extinction on so many species that they had to like take this drastic action to like bring them all back. And we've never had that in no. BC. And I think we're just kind of, the other thing I think is we're too cheap. Like the fact that I can go out and buy all my tags for 20 bucks a piece. I'm sorry, it's not realistic. And I know there's a lot of old timers that are going to hate the fact that I'm saying this, but like, I think tags should be way more expensive I would pay a couple hundred bucks for an elk tag. I know it seems ridiculous, but if we want these organizations to be funded appropriately in order to do the science we want them to do and to take the measures we want them to take in order to have these like healthy, thriving populations, I think they need enough money to do it. Now, do I really trust the current individuals with the decisions they've made? Do I want to just piss more money down a hole that I don't really think is doing that much? No. But if we could, I think there's some problems to fix, but if they got fixed, I think giving those individuals more funding is a big part of it. Like go hunt in the States, man. It ain't fucking cheap. And does our, I'm, I'm going to ask it, ask it to you rather than just maybe make a statement. Cause I'm not hundred percent sure, but I did hear is our, our tag, the money that the government gets for our tags, it doesn't go directly to conservation, does it? Or is it just going to the pool? 
It's a really good question that I don't know the answer to. Yeah, and I'm I, not 100. No. percent I know I I know I read or I heard something before that it just goes into like the the pool. I don't know if it goes straight back into the conservation, but that'd be something interesting to find out too. It would. I should have somebody oh. on the podcast to have a deeper conversation. I think my phone just died. Oh yeah. You glitched out. Um, anyways, I should, I should, um, I should have somebody on to have a deeper conversation about that. So I'm not talking out of my ass. I know that's why I'm not going to say anything for sure. Or not, but I was, uh, um, okay. We're going to wind down here shortly, but I'll do, uh, let me know if you need me to invite you back into the room when you get your phone. It's on, on Instagram. So I should be all right. Oh, maybe you might have to. I don't know. Are you, is right. your phone back on? Sorry, I didn't know we were going to use our phones. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, Go ahead. What the fuck was I going to say? Anyways, we'll let's, we'll defer that until we have a chance to like, because the reason you raise an interesting point is that in the States, for example, they have the Pittman Robertson tax and the Dingle Johnson tax, which is like a shitload of money. Every all outdoor and ammunition related supplies get taxed. And then that money has to go towards conservation activities. However, if a state takes any money from like the sale of tags or access to wilderness or hunting activities and uses it for anything other than conservation, their entire state becomes ineligible for matching dollars from the Pittman-Robertson Act. So they're literally giving up like, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars a yeah. year. So those guys are like locked into if the money comes from hunting, it stays in hunting. And I think you're right when you say that in Canada, I don't think there is uh, a similar incentive. I think you're right. I think it just goes all into the general ledger. And then when the budget comes out, it just goes to whatever it needs to be used for. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that somebody on a podcast or I read something somewhere that it just goes into the general pool, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Um, okay. I want to answer Josh's question here. So he says, I once heard you mention that you did not agree with crispy as a company. I'm curious as to why I too prefer to give my business to companies that are like-minded as me. What is it about crispy? Okay. First of all, I may have gone off a little half cocked about crispy, which I have a tendency to do, but there are a select few brands in the hunting industry who, who take a particular marketing approach that I find distasteful and crispy is one of them. Um, I cannot turn on YouTube without being inundated by influencers telling me that crispy are the best boots that have ever been made on the planet earth. And it's like, yeah, because they're sponsoring you and they're paying you to say that. Um, and I could go on and on. I got to be honest. I feel the same way about vortex. Like if I hear Remy Warren say vortex is the best glass on the planet earth. One more time, I'm going to punch him in the fucking throat because it's not, you're lying. You are lying no one with two good eyes would ever say vortex is even remotely close to the best glass. Now, is it, is it the best value 
I think that would be an interesting conversation to have. I think between Vortex and Maven, you probably have a really interesting conversation. And I think you can get some damn decent glass for a really affordable amount of money. But if you're talking like Swaro, Leica, and Zeiss, they shit all over Vortex all day, every day. And it pisses me off when people take money from companies and then outright lie to the people that follow them. And then those people believe what you're saying and they go spend their hard-earned money. I have not taken a single sponsor since I started this thing. I don't take five red cents or whatever the fuck you want to say from anybody. Some people send me some free shit, but there's no strings attached. Go listen to my review of the Sitka sleeping bag. It's not all sunshine and, and roses. I'm always very clear. I'm getting a little bit worked up here. The thing, I don't have anything specifically against crispy. What I don't like is this like super aggressive marketing. Like when you think about it like this, for every dollar that comes into or exits a company, whatever portion of that dollar goes towards marketing isn't going towards materials or product development. And if the products are the same price, then the the only answer is there's less money to create a quality product because I have to spend more money convincing everybody that my shit product is a good product. And when you look at top tier brands and you look at the marketing strategy employed by top tier brands, it's not the same. Is Swaro running around sponsoring everybody on the planet? Nope. Why? Because the shit's the best. And they don't have to run around and sponsor everybody on the planet. And so, listen, crispy boots could be super nice boots. And if you own a pair of crispy boots and you're happy with the way those boots fit your feet and you're happy with the way they've held up for you, then I say keep on buying crispy. For me, I just preferred to deal with you know, other brands that aren't so aggressive and so widespread with their marketing. Um, so yeah, that's my two cents on crispy. What are your thoughts on that, man? I, um, I have hand wags and I love them. Yep. It's probably the greatest Christmas present that I got from my wife ever. Which ones? <laughs> uh, I think they're the Alaska, uh, like full leather, yeah, yep, yeah, full I had, leather. Yeah, I know the exact. Awesome, the last trapper I'm, tops or whatever. Oh, they're, yeah. they're if you're gonna spend money, to spend the money on the boots, man. They're so I've never had a problem with them. They're super comfortable. They're awesome. Um, as for crispies, I know my my brother in law just got crispies uh, insulated ones last last fall. I mean, he, he took a mule deer hunting and he liked them. Um, but I mean, that's. I mean, I'm sure they're good boots. I've never tried them, but yeah, I mean, they they do advertise a lot to younger Instagram, stuff like that. Like I know, I think Gritty has discount codes for it and those guys and they, they, they pump those popular channels and stuff like that. So I get what you're saying. Um, as for Vortex, I have the, I have the binoculars, the Razor HDs and I have the, I got a killer deal on the spotting scope. So Best bang for buck with the warranty. You got to throw the warranty in there with it because they could drive it over. You could drive your truck over it and they would replace it. Right. So that's saying something, but 
Yeah, there's no, I have a Zeiss rifle scope on my 300 and there's no comparison to, from a, a Zeiss to a, a Vortex scope. It's just, it's just not comparable. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was going to go into like sheep hunting um, full time, like I would definitely be upgrading the spotting scope for sure. The binoculars actually are pretty, pretty decent. Like they're not that I bad. like the Razor HDs. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. Um, I, I had, I, I did a bunch of binocular testing and the Zeiss Conquest, if you made me choose between, and that's their like middle of the road binocular. If you made me choose between the Zeiss Conquest and the Razor HDs, I'm going with the Razor HDs. I think the ergonomics yeah, on the Razor HDs. And I think I had the 12 by fifties. Um, I really like those binoculars for what they were like a thousand dollar pair of binoculars. Yeah. You would be hard pressed to in that price point, find a better pair, um, a better pair of binos. I, I got no problem saying that. My only yeah. problem is when people start going, you know, this is the best glass. And it's just, it's just like, you don't have to lie. Glass. Just, just be honest and say like, it is what it is. It's the best value glass for that money. I'm like, okay, great. You know, no problems when, when there's an argument to be made about that, about, you know, best bang, best bang for buck yep. comparative to it, but it depends on it. Like, it's like anything. It depends on what you're doing. Like if yeah. you're going like for me, I do like, you know, mostly mule deer, moose, like, you know, hunting like that. Like I'm not doing like the crazy goat yet. We've gone scouting for ghosts, but like, you know, stuff like that. So if I was going to go sheep hunting to identify a sheep, you would need better glass. I mean, just in my opinion, yeah. like you'd be going up to Suara or whatever. So is your phone back on yet? I'm getting shit. Cause people can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I think it's probably your wife. Probably. That's all right. Yes. Greg is having phone issues. If you can't hear Greg, you can go on YouTube and Greg, Greg will be there. Um, anyways, I don't want to shit all over brands and I don't want to shit all over people who like everybody needs to make a paycheck and I'm not, but I will say this. One of the like driving forces behind why I started mindful hunter is that I was sick and tired that every opinion that I listened to on the internet was bought and paid for. Um, and I'm lucky I have a good job. I have a good family. I don't need to make money from mindful hunter. This is my passion project. So, um, like it was like, it was almost like one of the core values of mindful hunter is that I will be honest and have integrity about every product that I use. Now, if I can partner with people, I'm, I'm all about that, but I'm not going to sacrifice my own integrity in order to do that. I think you can have partnerships and I think you can work with brands to help share information about their products in an honest way. I don't think it has to all be shilling products in order to, to pay your bills. Anyways, that's my, that's my two cents. And I do think SIG, you know, somebody's saying, try some SIG. I think SIG makes some really nice shit too. I think loophole is, is another example. Like, okay. So I have a vortex PST gen two on uh, scope on my 300 wind mag that I got to be honest with you. Like I'm not a vortex guy, but I really like that scope. Um, I've beat the shit out of that gun. I've never lost, um, whatchamacallit, 
I've never had to reset the zero. I've never had to recite it. It's, it's, it's amazing. The problem is it's 28 ounces. I went to go get a new scope for my new rifle and I can get an almost identical scope from Leupold. I think Leupold and Vortex would be a comparable as far as glass quality goes. And, um, it's 19 ounces, the VX5 HD. It's less than $1,500. Like it's a phenomenal scope. And I got to be honest with you. I looked at Swaro, I looked at Leica, and I looked at Zeiss. None of those three main brands had a scope that fell into the weight parameters I was looking for that still had the functionality and the feature set of the Leupold VX5 HD. Now I know I'm taking a marginal hit in glass quality, but to get those other things that I'm looking for, like the whole package, I'm willing to do it. So again, I'm not saying there's no place for, you know, these other non-top tier brands. It's just, you know, be honest with yourself about what you're, about what you're getting. Totally. Well, that, that VX5 though is a solid, solid scope. It's almost like a holy grail. Like, nothing touches that scope, man. Like it's wild that they built that scope. It has the feature set that it does and it weighs 19 ounces. Like it's it's fucking crazy. Omar's putting it on like gun works, guns and everything like that. So if if you're putting it on like a 15 to $20,000 gun, you know that it's top of the line. So, you know, the weird thing about the Leo Leopold though, is the, uh, their spotting scopes with like how they're the square. Have you seen those? They're, they're so weird. they're so different. They're just they're just different. I've never tried one, so I can't really say yeah. good or bad. But it's just they're just square. It's weird. Yeah, I think the Sig ones look a little bit weird too. I've never used one of those either, so I don't have I don't have like a hardcore opinion on them. Um, have you? Um, I was going to ask you um, with reloading. You were going to get into reloading. I can't find ammo for my 300 anywhere. Really? Yeah. Like I, I, I normally shoot like the Nosler 180 Acubons. Yep. And they're sold out everywhere. And I messaged, I DM'd Nosler the other day and they got back to me right away. And they said that they're not even on the schedule for this year yet. Like they're shooting, they're going to make the partition, the 180 trophy grade partitions in the fall. They said, Wow. So, yeah, and they're sold out everywhere. So I might even be joining you on the reloading front. Yeah. I got I got a few left from last year still, but it's slim. slim I got a, I got a couple of boxes. I'm shooting the um, 200 grain ELDXs for my 300 Win Mag. Right. And then I'm yeah. shooting the 212 ELDX for my 300 PRC. You shoot the precision hunters, right? For the for your win mag? For both. And oh okay, for both. Yeah. You yeah. like those? I do. You know, okay. somebody asked a question about this. Um, and I'm gonna do a whole video on my gun. But I know people shit all over the ELDX and they talk about like the bullet fragmenting and it not staying together and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not a gun nut, so I'm not gonna get into listen, I'm gonna beat big. I'm not going to get in over my head and talk about shit that I don't understand, but let me, how many, one, two, three, four, five, six, 
I've pulled the trigger five. Well, the trigger has been pulled on my 300 win mag five times with those ELDX chambered. Every single animal has dropped in its tracks. I don't mean ran 20 yards and fell over. I mean, bam, done. Two bear and three deer. And I think some people with smaller bullets and smaller caliber bullets have had problems with the ELDX. But man, when you chuck a 200 grain bullet at 3000 feet per second, I don't really give a shit what shape it shows up in. Like the thing that it slams into dies. Um, and For so sure. on my experience, it's been devastating, devastating. Like, yeah, bear, deer, no problem. Now, I haven't shot, you know, I'll be going up north this year and, you know, as long as everything goes right, hopefully I'll be shooting some bigger game like a moose. I think a caribou arguably, you know, is closer to a deer than a moose as far as the difficulty to knock it down. But I'll be interested to see how it does on some bigger game. But until it stops behaving for me, I, I trust that those ELDX because they have literally dropped everything that um, I've shot with it. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I had problems with those with my with my three hundred eight. I had, I've had. I think they're one, they're one sixty eight or one seventy eight. I can't remember. I think they're one sixty eight. I think they're one sixty eight too. Yeah. As anyways, I had uh, just through and through. Yeah. Two deer. Two deer. I had like just penciled. Went yeah, just went right through. Yep. Yeah, I've so heard the same thing. I don't know why. Maybe because of like you mushroom. said, yeah, nothing. Just yeah. right through, through and through the deer. And then uh, I don't know if yeah, like you said, it's a lighter bullet. Maybe it's just. Yeah. Um, but I know with my like when I got my three hundred and I was shooting those acubons, it was like I got one one bullet left from one of the spring bears last year, and it was just complete mushroom. Yeah, I think there's actually a picture of it on my Instagram, maybe, but. Yeah, they were, they're great. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. So I bought five boxes of those ELDX. The other thing is when you shoot, when you buy a fierce, they guarantee sub half MOA groups, but only with the ammo that they've tested it with, obviously, because they don't, they can't guarantee it with every single, every ammo. ammo. Yeah. I didn't actually know what ammo they tested it with. And when Omer set, set the gun up for me, cause he scoped it. I said, yeah. I, he, like, he has this great service. I'm going to have him on the podcast the next week or two. He has this nice. amazing service. And for 250 bucks, he'll put your whole gun together, mount the scope, put a level on it, whole nine yards. And then he takes it to the range and he will drop three or four different rounds through it. He will note the grouping sizes of all the different rounds. He'll chronograph all the different rounds and then he'll say, okay, this is the best one for this particular rifle. And he does all that for 250 bucks. And then you buy, you know, half a dozen boxes of that ammo. And like for someone who doesn't have the time or inclination to get super nerdy about their gun, I mean, you can't beat that shit with a stick, man. 250 no. bucks. It cost no. me that just to go buy two boxes of fucking the like, Nosler's 90 bucks a box as oh, yeah, it is. Just, yeah. And then you yeah. shoot a half a dozen of them and it's like, oh, the gun doesn't like this. And you've, I've got, I've got, I should give it to you. I've got several boxes of 300 Win Mag. Um, you let me go have a look. I might actually have your Nozzlers in there. If you have them, I'll, you have let, them I'll let you know. Um, but anyways, he set it all up 
And what shot best was the 212 ELDX. And then when the Fierce got here, they give you the range paper that your gun was originally yeah, set right, with in the box, yeah. at Fierce in the box. And it's the yeah. 212 ELDX. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, it's right. good enough. You know, if Omer liked Darn the 212, enough. Fierce likes the 212. And I think it shot a 0.381 MOA group um, nice. with sick. the 212. So it's like, yeah, it's a sick, it's sick gun. yeah. yeah done and again it's a 212 grain bullet if you put that anywhere remotely close to where it's supposed to go that thing is going to die yeah well i know last year um my buddy bought the gunworks gun off of omar um and then i emailed him i think we talked and i emailed him about getting um the tika i got the tika 300 win mag with i think it was in the rough tech the rough tech edition and he you know it's a good business when he literally told me he's like I can't get it. He's like Cabela's uh, Bass Pro they have the buying power and they can. Yeah. He's like I can't get my hands on one yet, and so he sent me he sent me there to buy it. So yeah. I mean like that's that's pretty good he's when a guy is telling like that, me, yeah man. man that's pretty sweet that he would tell you to you know help you out and be like hey I can't get that right now just go there and get it and then if I ended up getting a scope there too or whatever so anyways it yeah. was. But, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. He, he has a good line of stuff too. Um, yep. With Stone Glacier and then Kafaru and stuff like that too. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. If you're guy. going through Cornell on your way up north to go hunting, he's always a good guy to stop in. Yeah. All right, man. We got a shitload more questions, but it's 10 o'clock and I'm, and I'm done. And I sure we, <laughs> we both got work earlier yeah. on in the morning. Yeah, um, thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. And I will, we'll do it again. We'll have you back on. I'll sort out the fucking the streaming stuff so that it's a little, it's a little cleaner. I think we lost some viewers at the beginning simply because the link was different than what everybody was. Yeah, no, I'll make sure my phone's charged next time too. So, all right. Okay. So quick little wrap up as always, if everybody could do me a favor and engage with the prop with the podcast, like comment, share, subscribe, it's greatly appreciated. If you want to support the podcast directly, mindfulhunter.com slash shop, go buy a t-shirt, a hat, whatever that helps this whole thing. Keep doing what this thing is doing. And that's why I don't have to go suck the dick of some brand in order to keep the fucking lights on. Um, (laughs) um, Greg, shout out your Instagram for anybody who's not logged on to Instagram and wants to follow you. It's uh, Johnston underscore outdoors. Perfect. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. So thanks everybody for tuning in and we will see you all next week. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, brother.